It's Andrew Morris with you on Fresh, speaking with Anne Bilin vocalist and songwriter Stephen Christian. Now, Stephen, welcome back to Sydney. I think it's your third time back in the country. That's correct, our third time, and so far the best, uh, the best tour that we've done here in, the, in Australia. Has the popularity of your music taken you by surprise in countries like Asia and here in Australia? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we, you know, we count it such a blessing, I mean, to even just be outside the United States, but, or even be touring, period. But, yeah, it totally caught us by surprise. You know, like, we had been to Australia twice before, so the fact we come here and, you know, we had gained some fans, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, all right, we understand why, just because we've been here, but, like, going to places like Singapore and Japan and and uh, in Mexico and stuff like that where we had never been this year, it was just amazing to hear people singing along. It's always such a thrill for us to, to you know, to, to have the, the audience sing along, but, but um, when you go to a different countries and uh, you had never been to or have never seen any of these faces and they're all screaming back lyrics they may or may not understand in their own language, it's, it's always amazing. Now, I believe uh, while you were in Singapore, you did a secret acoustic gig, and uh, it, it did it for you? Oh, that was it, man. That was one of the highlights of my entire life. Like, I'll never forget, you know, there's a very few shows that I'll never forget. One, um, I mean, I, hopefully I'll remember them all, but, you know, there's like the first time that we played our hometown club in Orlando called The Social. Um, landing here in Australia and playing... Um, playing in Adelaide that was huge you know sellout show with only 250 people but they all were singing along you know and then Singapore where where we had like 300 people crammed in a small little building and it was a secret acoustic show but the whole place was singing along louder than me I had to ask them to turn up my monitors because I could not hear myself because they were singing so loud I loved it and what are some of the favorite uh, Amberlynn crowd well what are some of the crowd favorites of the Amberlynn uh, catalog Oh, well, you mean as far as songs go? Yeah. Um, there's a couple. I think, uh, I think, you know, definitely Paper Thin Him and Daylight is one that they all sing along to at the shows. Um, Never Take Friendship Personal. But I think as far as the new record go, I think the, the, the favorites are Unwinding Cable Car, uh, Godspeed, and Dismantle Repair. I think that would probably be the, everyone's top three. Now, I've got a personal favorite as well. I do like the Unwinding Cable Car and uh, tracks from your earlier CDs as well. But uh, sim it's Symphony for the Blase. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, it's uh, actually, you know, it sounds like a stereotypical breakup song, but if you really listen to the lyrics, it's actually about um, um, a, a father and uh, dealing with alcoholism. And it's about how his children are kind of reacting, how that, you know, this alcohol has kind of this chemical has kind of taken over their father and who they once loved you know they love him but they don't want to be anywhere near him you know and so that's what's kind of the 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 the, the underlying story of the song so if you listen to it at first glance you'll probably hear a breakup song but if you listen to it again it's just like you know it's it's about alcohol and about how in substance abuse I yeah, it, it was just something about it that was really stirring, and and um, I guess my initial reaction was the first that it was a breakup song. Right. But um, uh, yeah, I'm glad you told us about that. Now this is a no-brainer question, and I've read on the internet that you you've you've given it a few different explanations. One, you've said it's Berlin. Others, you've said something else. But what's the what's the reasoning, or what's the story behind Anne Berlin? Oh, the the name actually comes from a Radiohead song. It was uh, it was actually one of the on the record uh, Kid A, and it's the second song. And like about about two minutes in, uh, there's a song. It says, you know, it's 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 uh, it's saying um, everything in its right place. And in the background, I thought I heard Amberlynn, Amberlynn, Amber. And so like in college, I was like, man, that'd be a great song for. Uh, 
for a uh, you know for a little I mean then great name for a little girl and then from there I derived oh man this would be a great name for a band and so after the while I mean it's just a it's kind of like an homage to one of our favorite bands Radiohead. Cool, nice. Okay, another question is uh, on the city's DV oh the city's CD it came with a DVD and it was quite insightful uh, looking at the whole process of recording uh, cities and the process uh, as you as a songwriter and a lyricist. Uh, working with, I guess, your guitarist, who is one of the main songwriters as well, right. the whole process of spitting out these songs, working with the producer, and what I found interesting was your journals and your love for journaling and stuff. Do you want to just talk to us about you know, where you found the fascination and you know, the, what it means to journal? Oh, man, it is definitely imperative in my life. I think it started back when I was around... 15 years old and my dad was telling about telling me about his college roommate who would get up at four o'clock in the morning and he wanted to be a science fiction writer that's all he wanted to do that was his passion life so he'd wake up every morning and write two short stories science fiction when he was done he'd crumble them up and throw them in the trash every morning two two you know two uh two short stories science fiction crumble them up and throw them away because he was just practicing and practicing and practicing to be this you know science fiction writer well that kind of stirred me because I was like, man, I, I really want to be, I didn't know if I wanted to be a great songwriter as much as I wanted to be a great writer. And, uh, and so every night before I'd go to bed, starting at age uh, 15, 16 years old, right around there, I started to uh, write two poems a night, every night. I mean, and, and, and they are horrendous. I mean, it's just like, the sign is green, you are mean, uh, she's not keen. I mean, I'm talking like, they were just horrible. But you could see over the years kind of like the natural progression into... Um, that it not only turned to poetry, but it turned into songwriting, and then from there, it kind of like amalgamated into, you know, a type of a journal and type of poetry and type of just kind of like a all the way around. And I think I counted last um, right around 64 journals that I've done. I mean, I keep one every day. You know, you try. I try to like say where I am in the world, or at least like an emotion what I was feeling. You know, like today on the plane, I just wrote, "I'm on a plane. I'm tired. <laughs> I can't. You know, I'm flying. It's too early. I don't want to write." And just then I started writing about how I should one day write a memoir or something like that. Then I said, "I go. I'm going to go ahead and get started." So I was going to start writing like, you know, little stories I want to tell. But then I was like, "Ah, I'm too tired. I just quit." So I mean, every day. But you know, the good thing about those is when you go back to write songs, you can feel some different emotions. Like, oh, this happened to me. Or this was a big struggle in my family or this was you know this hit me about my friends or I can't stand this about this person and how could I deal with that so journals are really a really really big deal for me because I needed to, to pull songs from you know um, but I think everyone should keep one I I'm so avid I mean all my friends like everyone in the band has, has gotten at least one journal for me my whole family uh, my whole family pretty much journals um and so, you know, just everything. I mean, I just, I, I, I find it to be, because, you know, I think some of the greatest lessons we can learn are looking at the failures of historic figures. But we can also learn from our own mistakes. And sometimes, you know, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you know, history is just going to repeat itself. And so, you know, I want to look back and go, oh, man, I don't want to make that same mistake again. Or I learned this lesson. Why can't I, you know, how about I just, you know, apply it to my life instead of keep making the same mistakes. So that's why journaling is really important to me. And uh, you, you journal, I guess, your thoughts, but you're, you're also, like, if it's a photograph or images and postcards, all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look, you know, anything, I think anything can inspire you. You know, I, I have another side project called Anchor and Braille with Aaron Marsh, the, um, the singer for Copeland. He, he's producing it and stuff like that. And one day I was flipping through a magazine, you know, at his house, and there was, like, a Time magazine. It was, like, of old photographs, and I saw this girl who was just on a swing, you know, she must have been, I don't know, nine, ten years old. But I looked at this picture, and she had this kind of, like, very, very, you know, 
not pensive, but just very like content look on her face, not smiling, but just very happy to be on that swing. And I looked at it and I was just like, oh man, that is so innocent. That is so childlike. That is so, there's, there's not, there's something so perfect and beautiful about this picture, about this second. And so like I wrote a song, you know, it starts off with a tear off your skin. And so uh, it's just, it's a song about how innocence and how that, you know, don't lose that as we grow up and stuff like that. But it was taken from one solid picture, you know? And so I think anything can inspire me. And I write out, you know, I cut out photographs or postcards of like, you know, people that I look up to or, you know, anything like that, or I, I'll, I'll take plane tickets or, you know, or, or tickets to like special events that I like the Dalai Lama ticket. I, I went and saw him two days ago in Melbourne, Australia here. And so I taped the ticket because somebody gave it to me for free uh, into my book. So, I mean, I just want to collect memories of life. And, you know, not only for me, but, you know, I would give anything to see, like, my great-grandfather's journal. You know, I'd love to see my – you know, I never got to know my grandfather. He was – you know, he died in 83. I was just a kid. I, I You know, I don't really remember him. And so I would – but I would have loved to, like, thumb through his journals and just – you know, see the hardships of his life and see the failures, see the successes. What did he think about? You know, like what made what made the most sense to him and how did he choose my grandmother? Like, I mean, there's little things in life. It's just like, wow, I wish, you know, and so I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandkids. They're going to be like, oh, dad's not perfect. Oh, God, oh, dad's creepy. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I just want them to learn from my mistakes and learn from my successes and my loves and joys and, and life. Uh, you, you mentioned something significant there that you, uh, you had the opportunity to see the Dalai Lama, who's uh, in Australia at the moment. And I guess you know um, we can ex- we can draw experience and knowledge and wisdom from all different kinds of people. And uh, I guess God gives a common grace to everybody. I mean, we're all His kids, if you like. What do you find inspirational, and what did you get out of listening to the Dalai Lama? Well, it's amazing. I mean, I had read, actually, it was very inspirational as far as like going and searching my own heart, my own religion. You know, I, I want to dig even deeper because here's somebody who's, you know, I think, I think God gave us wisdom, you know, wisdom. I mean, whether it's, you know, don't put your hand in a fire or, you know, deep theological uh, Ayn Rand, you know, Atlas Shrugged stuff. I mean, there's, I mean, you can take, you can draw stuff from anybody and everybody, such as like in music, I drew from a, one photograph, you know. So here's a man who devoted his whole life to, to soul searching, to really trying to find himself. And he came up with, and his whole, I don't know if you would call it sermon, but his whole, um, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call it, just uh, his, his talk um, was very, it was, was based around kindness. And that's a universal principle. I mean, you know, do unto others as you have others, um, do unto you, uh, you know, given it shall be given. Uh, uh, this is pure religion to love widows and orphans. And so, and, and so like, you know, even Christianity teaches us, you know, kindness. And so his whole lesson was about how that we should treat other people as and esteem them higher, which is a very biblical principle, even though Buddha lived hundreds of years before Christ, you know, they parallel in this, you know, in this, in this kind of sermon and the fact that like, we really need to hold other people's higher and not think of ourselves as, uh, you know, as, as better than anyone else. And, 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 and that's really, that's really great for, you know, people in band, including myself, as far as like, you know what, we're not better than anyone else. All we are is entertainers, we're, you know, we're not anything special. We're not any more important than, uh, the rugby coach or the janitor or anybody else were not more important, you know, and so and there's a and so I derived um, just humility and to really, you know, implement that into my own life and really, you know, search out uh, trying to hold other people and, and not to judge other people. So, you know, even though we don't even practice the same religion, I think there's some very basic universal truths, including kindness that that can be implemented across the board. Rugby. What's an American playing rugby? 
Oh, I do. I played in college. Hey, no, I know all about rugby. I love it. I don't like the, I'm not much, too much into the uh, Australian rules football. I think that's like uh, a numb down rugby. It's like, hey, I'm about to get hit, so I'll kick it real fast. <laughs> but no, I don't really understand the rules of it all. But no, I love rugby. I'm, that's uh, definitely close to my heart. You're going to be watching it in September in Paris? Well, maybe on the television? I, you know what? I don't know. I would have to get pay-per-view, but I know I'm, I'm going to be watching the All Blacks game. And unfortunately, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I'm a, an All Blacks fan. I'm sorry about all this. But. Yeah, well, we're not doing too crash out at the moment. I think okay. we're, we're in a rebuilding phase. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, I was also going to ask you about the fact that you're a blogger and uh, that you've got a blog site called the Modesty Writers Guild. Do you want to just tell us about that? Because it, it does say fans, please don't send me fan mail on this one, but uh, you've got, there's other avenues for that. But it's where you're exploring sort of more, I guess, life issues really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I try to tackle as many things as possible because going along in the same vein that rock stars aren't better than anyone else, you know, I want people to see failures. You know, I want, I want people to see also like not so much successes. I don't write, you know, hey, guess how many you know records we sold today. I don't write anything like that. It's more like, hey, listen, you know, here's what life has taught me. You know, um, so I'm going to talk about stuff like what the Dalai Lama talked to me and stuff like about that. But, you know, I, I, I think I think there's principles where. Uh, much like coming-of-age novels like J.D. Salinger or Steve Chbosky or a lot of like writers that write coming-of-age novels. And, 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 and people like that because they kind of grasp onto it and say, wow, they're normal just like me, or I'm normal because I, you know, all these thoughts I didn't think, I thought no one has gone through. You know? And so I want people to read them and just go, oh, my gosh, like, he faced the same exact topics. And, and I don't have to like, go make those same mistakes. I can go my own way and kind of like, stay away from that. You know, I talk about everything from you know, chivalry to... Uh, you know, uh, wow! I don't even know. Just, just temptations and life and and death and uh, I just I think I think common themes that I think everyone's going to go through. But it's modesty.blogspot.com and I put my email address and I try to get to as many people as possible. And I've done a really great job, man. As far as like for the people that are really genuine and are really soul searching or really trying to find themselves, you know, again, you know, I still get fan mail in there and that's unfortunate, but I understand, you know, people think that that's a great way, which, you know, I check that more than I check my own email, but I still try to, you know, and there's, I mean, I've been asked some really tough questions. I had a mom write in and say, should I get a divorce? And I had a 12 year old girl that says she's getting pressured, you know, to have sex. And I was like, this is insane. Like, so, I mean, I've run the full gambit, you know, as far as, uh, as far as you know, uh, life issues. I feel more like a psychologist than I did a, than I do a rock star at moments on modesty. But you know, I, I enjoy it. So yep, modesty.blogspot.com. Stephen Christian, uh, counselor. I, I read an interesting uh, review of, I guess, the the track Godspeed uh, on the on the net, and it described very much your vocal uh, delivery as being one of the most recognizable parts of Anne Boleyn. How did you discover your voice? Um, you know what? Like honestly, I I never did. I you know Tony Tony Bunyan must know a secret. I don't. But I you know honestly, it's genetic. I can't brag. I can't say, oh, I'm so talented because I'm not. You know, I look at the guitarists or even our drummer Nate Young, and they're just. I I was just actually the other day I was just sitting there watching Nate warm up and play, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like all are the all these musicians I'm surrounded by are so good. I think singing is one of the very few things in life that just comes genetic. Like you're either born with it or you're not. I mean, it's sad or it's good, but um, I never found it. Like all through high school, I never took chorus. I wasn't in any bands. I, I never knew it because my best friend was a very good singer and he, you know, I would just hear his range and I was so intimidated. But the good thing about it is, is listening to his voice, it would force me to harmonize. And so 
That's where I learned the harmony from. And I don't know. I just, I, I, I've always been surrounded by music. Always been, you know, it's always kind of been in the mix with my family. My, my grandmother, whether it's old hymns or my dad playing Beatles records or my mom with the Moody Blues and stuff like that. It's just, I've always been surrounded by music. And I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand the concept of like the unique, a unique voice or anything like that. I didn't try to develop that. I think that just kind of came along as I like explored and got more and more confident as it went, as the years went on with Amberlynn. Cool. Okay, well, tell us um, who or what got you interested in music. Oh, several things. You know, again, like the fact that like being surrounded by my whole life, you know, my aunt was a was an opera star in, uh, well, actually internationally. Her name's Alexandria Kosachkova, and so I'd already already known about you know the music business not so much the music business but like that you know that was a profession that was a career um but just growing up and listening to to you know to, to tons of bands finding the smiths in high school was big for me just because i felt like they really um i don't know they really he at morsey had a great way of, de- of delivering lyrics and and, and and coming up with such unique you know poetry of all of his own and then you know again listening to the beatles and listening to the formulas that they came you know john and paul are are absolute geniuses you know like i can't even compare you know and then um in the 90s finding jeff buckley you know um just just listening to his his range and his vocal um uh, just wow a delivery and just how pugnacious it is like just amazing so i don't know it's it's uh, i guess you know an amalgamation of all those things like just all those things combined kind of like where are you all some you where, where you kind of gather it from yeah, you stole my thunder there because I think we listened to the same CD collection or record collection oh, at right. school. The Smiths, The Cure, two bands that you mentioned frequently in yes. your interviews uh, are influential along with Jeff Buckley. So you answered the question I was going to ask. Obviously, any of those other 90s and 80s alternative bands that you really found influential? Um, you know, I, I, you know, 80s honestly is my favourite you know, era. I love it just because it seems so... It seemed, I, I guess when you're... Because I mean, I, oh, sheesh. I was like four or five years old in the 80s, but as I grew into the 90s listening back, I always felt like that, was, those, that music was so much more innocent. It probably wasn't, you know, like, but to my young mind, I just felt like, wow, you know, these are, these are, you know, I never got into the 90s music, but I was like, man, this Depeche mode, I think it's just creative, and it's there, and these beats, and he has this driving, but, you know, like, uh, it just seems like from there... I kind of started going backwards instead of kind of like listening to my contemporaries. I went back into that brought you to like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, which brought you back into like Muddy Rivers and and kind of, you know, Buddy Guy and the whole, you know, all the blues and jazz and stuff like that. So um, but I I think as a musician, like it's kind of our duty to be so well-rounded, you know, we shouldn't listen to our contemporaries, you know, alone. We should be like well-versed in all music. But so I don't think it's just 80s. I think it's like, you know, 89, circa 89 and before, you know, so those are pretty much the, you know, the bands that I really love. Let's take a look at the three albums that you've released on uh, Tooth & Our Records, starting with Blueprints, Friendship, and now Cities. Uh, is there a theme? I mean, I, I'm sort of putting, maybe directing you here, but do you want to tell us about the themes that have gone through those albums that I've read possibly on the okay, internet? Okay, sure, yeah. Well, the themes that I kind of presented to uh, was kind of like a, a trilogy of kind of uh, you know all literature um, in the fact that uh, the first album was a very naive naive album and and uh literally they would say that was kind of like a man versus world we had no idea who we were we walked into the studio with nine songs we had to you know come up with the the uh, love song cure you know cover song um as the 10th we had no you know no idea where we were going with amberlynn never knew if we would sell 500 records my goal was to sell 
10,000 records in my lifetime. And if I had done that, I had succeeded. You know, that, that was it for me. Um, and then with Never Take Friendship Personal, it was a very, uh, you know, very interpersonal, very, uh, you, know, um, you know, very friendship-oriented, very relationship, you know, kind of man versus man. And then Cities, it was more man versus self, very autobiographical, a lot of, you know, um, skeletons in the closet per se or demons off your back or however you want to put that, you know. Um, just some, some things that I had been struggling with for years and just it finally felt like, Okay, I, I trust my audience enough to kind of like expose and say, well, here it is, you know, whether you can figure it out or not. Like, I feel like I can, you know, open this up to you and stuff. So that's kind of the themes of the, of the records thus far. Okay, one theme is fame and pride that I've noticed that you talk about a little bit. Um, how easy is it, how is it, is it uh, to start believing in the fact that, yeah, I could be a rock god, and does the rest of the band slap each other around when that, that sort of starts happening? Oh, that's absolutely. Like, we're all, it's, we're beyond friends or, fa or band members, we're family. Like, we're, this, these are my brothers, and so I'm, I'm quick to, to fight, you know, as soon as, you know, a you know, drop of a hat as far as, like, you know, when pride is concerned. But, the, you know, I feel really blessed in the fact that, like, I don't think we have that band. That, you know, none of us are too cocky. None of us do anything kind of, you know, uh, to, to, to feed into the, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, apparatus that is so gracefully placed upon all rock stars or whatever you want to call it. But, you know what, I don't think that I, real, I really realize what's happening until I'm probably going to be, like, 60 years old and look back in life and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I went around the world and... These fans, it really never hits me because with Amberlynn, it's always a very slow and gradual kind of climb to the, you know, to wherever we are. And so I, I view success. I feel like Amberlynn is a success, but I feel I feel it was a success day two, you know, because day one we were like, you know what, we're going to leave behind our family, our friends, our jobs, our school, our careers, and we're going to pursue music and our love and our passions with all our heart. And I think anybody that sets out to do that, whether it's in music or whether it's in art or, you know, or chemistry or whatever profession they they long to with all their heart you know what if they if they search their heart and they follow their dreams and they're automatically success no matter how much money they make or how many records they sell or how many paintings they sell um they're a success in my eyes cool well it's time to fire a few questions at you sure. earliest musical influence uh hymns you know it would have to be you know going with my grandmother would take me to church me and my brother to church and we would have to she would we would sit there while she would stand up and sing hymns so i would think as far as like earliest recollections it would all be hymns okay favorite or most impactful book oh oh man oh wow a, a couple, man. I mean, there's not just one. I think the con I think the conglomerate between Blue Like Jazz and Steve, uh, yeah, Steve Jabowski's Perks of Being a Wallflower is my childhood. If you put those two books together, uh, those are uh, Donald Miller's Blue Like Jazz and that one, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Th that's my childhood. Uh, I think uh, um, as far as like uh, influential. Uh, theologically speaking, it would have to be um, the Ragamuffin Gospel and uh, What's So Amazing About Grace, two books that have just totally, you know, cut me open. Um, man, I mean, there's just tons, though. I, I, the list goes on and on. But probably the most would probably be the Bible because I think it kind of gives me a grounding and a foundation of, of what I believe today. Cool. Favorite website or blog? Um Website, I, I think I check all the time is uh, absolutepunk.net. I think that's kind of like my, you know, it's it's kind of like a high school yearbook. I look at and see what all my friends are up to that day. You know, like oh hey look my friend, you know, guys put out they put out this record or they're doing this. So I think absolutepunk.net is kind of my, uh, my 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 high school reunion or something. Okay, favorite city? 
Oh, Seattle, Washington. I love it. I mean, it's so beautiful there. I mean, I, I like so many different cities for, for different reasons, but to move and, and just have a certain feeling of home would be Seattle, Washington. And that's where you record your albums as well? All three, yep. Okay, favorite film or films? Wow, I just watched one, uh, uh, Fanini's Eight and a Half, which was amazing, one of my favorites, but I think my all-time favorite is Fight Club. <laughs> just, I, love, I love the social commentary because I had read the books before. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of... Of his of, of of his work, so city or country that you most would like to visit? Wow, there's a couple: Germany, Spain, and Italy are my top three right now. So I hope I've never been to either of those, and I would love to see them. Person you most admire? Um, man, person I most admire. Oh man, tons again, but this is great. Uh, but probably my dad. My parents are probably very influential in my life. Okay. Uh, thing that you most like about yourself? I don't know. That's so hard. Um, man, I don't know. That's so crazy. Uh, I like about myself. I don't know. Uh, I like the fact that, like, I seek. I think that's one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm willing to listen to any type of idea or thought that anyone else, you know, um, you know, presents. You know, I just, I don't know. I like to seek. I want to seek the truth, beauty and truth. That's, you know, that's, what I, yeah, I enjoy that. Thing that you would like to change the most about yourself? Um, <sighs> Uh, besides procrastination, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to be. I would like. Uh, I think I would like a little more uh, self. Uh, you know, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, well, I need a better vocabulary, obviously. Uh, self determination, kind of like putting myself, like uh, um, putting myself in a check. Uh, in the fact, like um, I have, a, I have, I have a great way of starting things such as books and companies and places, but I just, I need to finish. I need to be that detail-oriented finisher. I'll join you there. I've got so many books that I've got bookmarks in. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I haven't finished them. Uh, married, single, or dating? Uh, single, very, very much so. Okay. And what would you look for in a partner? Um, wow, tons of stuff. I mean, starting out with, I, I'd like to have our, our face kind of c- compatible, obviously. Um, but um, also, she has to be cute. <laughs> uh, speak English, because that'd be kind of hard. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like humor, and I, I think the biggest things I'm looking for is uh, just a, you know a lust for beauty and truth. You know, like uh, you know, and then also a, a, like a lust for life. You know, like very just they've got to like would rather go see the world than sit and watch a movie or you know i i'm just i'm more the you know let's go try anything once i've never been to a ballet let's go okay you know i've never you know i've never jumped into a fountain all right let's go you know i i want that i want that spontaneity the that i want to see i want it you know my only regret of of having only one life to live you know is that i can't do everything you know i want to do everything i want to try every type of food and see every you know possible corner of this world and read every single book and and so uh but, yeah, I want a, a wife or a girlfriend that kind of has that same lust for life. What, what inspires you? Everything, you know. Uh, art. Art and architecture have been really big in, into my life. Bernini, I'm very much into him. And uh, Klimt and um, uh, Duchamp and the Dada movement. I, I really, I'm a huge fan of that. But books, books really have a big impact. I've written several songs based off books, you know, whether it's, you know, psychological books I had to read in college like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus or Audrey Huxley's Brave New World or uh, you know just and tons of stuff like that very very much influenced uh, um, by, by, by everything my surroundings okay second last question what makes you angry um, you know, anything, any type of child abuse, you know, whether it's sexual or physical or, or, or verbal, I mean, there's nothing more 
disgusting, despicable, you know, uh, that nothing more, you know, I know God said vengeance is mine, but I, you know, I would love the chance to be that vengeance to take it out on some people that hurt children. You know, like that's my, those, you know, children are my heart. Like I love it and I love them. And I just, you know, again, like there's something so innocent and pure and, and I would do anything in my power to, to protect them. So I think that to, as far as being, you know, on a, yeah, that would make, that makes me the most angry out of, of, of any circumstance in life. And what does friendship and community mean to you? Trust, honesty, you know, I think those are huge two things that are huge in it. Um, community, um, having somewhere to fall back on, you know, someone who's going to catch you when you fall, someone that's going to pick you up if you're sick, you know. Um, just, uh, uh, I, th- I, think, I think of tight-knit, very close, you know, this isn't like, a, you know, a legion of people. This is, you know, three or four or five people that kind of get together and keep each other accountable and, and hold each other up to that. Stephen Christian from Anne thank you so much for joining us here in Sydney, Australia, and all the very best for the rest of your tour. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.